Thank you, young people. Well, that is a blessing. Amen. I'll keep that last line. It is not fame that I desire, nor stature in my brother's eyes. That last part says, um, I pray I said about my life um, that I did more to build your name than mine. Um, man, we sure uh, do a lot to build our own name, don't we? And so little to build his name, don't we? Um, I think about David, how he said, is there not a cause? And, uh, you know, so often we, we live, when we live for our, life, our own self, there is no cause. But when we live for Christ, there is a cause. You know, you can live for your, your, your own advancement, your own agenda, and you'll end your life saying, is there not a cause? Is there nothing to live for? But I'm telling you, there is something to live for, and it's for living for Christ. And his cause is worth it. Uh, Genesis chapter number 13. You all really shouldn't have sang that song tonight. It's really messing me up. <laughs> but thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that song. I love that song. This is a great message to that song. Uh, Genesis chapter number 13 tonight. Genesis chapter 13. We're going to start here in verse number 1. Uh, looking forward to uh, the revival meetings next week. We'll look forward to being, being back here Sunday night and then being here Monday evening as well. I uh, do so appreciate Brother Booth. That's a wonderful preacher, wonderful expositor of God's Word. And I want to challenge you to be here. Uh, you'll be blessed, and you'll be encouraged, and you'll, be, you'll learn something, I promise you. So make sure you make that an important priority uh, for this coming week to be in church for these meetings. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, let's do so. Let's start here at verse number 1. The Bible reads, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we continue looking at this passage tonight. Would you just pray that God would uh, teach you? Let's intentionally listen to the Word of God and allow His Word to speak to us tonight. Can we do that tonight? Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to do that. God, thank you so much for what we've already heard today and this evening. And Lord, thank you for the songs we've been able to sing and been encouraged and uplifted. Uh, Lord, now we come to your Word. And Lord, this is the most important part of this service. Lord, this is our chance to hear from you. Uh, God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to have ears that are, would listen. Uh, God, that we help us to have hearts that would agree with the Word of God. Help us to uh, trust and obey what your Word has for us tonight. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Uh, here in chapter 13, Abram has just, just come back from Egypt. He had gone to the land of Canaan. He had gone, uh, the Lord had led him. God had called him out of the land of Ur of Chaldees and had led him to Canaan land, the promised land, and said, this is it, this is it, this is the land I'm going to give you. And, but Abram, uh, there's a famine land, and we find out he decides to go down into Egypt. He starts to, he, instead of trusting on God, he begins trusting himself. He goes down to Egypt, gets in a mess down there, and he really uh, uh, damages his testimony before the Egyptians because of his lie telling that his uh, wife Sarai was actually his sister. I mean, you can read that story in chapter 12. But now in chapter 13, he's returning back to the land, returning back to the place where God has called him at the first, and he goes back to uh, the place where he has set up an altar. And he, there he go, and I see here a returning, a repenting, and returning to God and being back in fellowship with God and calling upon the Lord in verse number four. But 
we find out, though, that this relationship with God, that this good time quickly ends. <laughs> Look here in verse number 5. And Lot also, which uh, went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. We see here that Abram has come to a good place. He's back in fellowship with God. But now there's a problem. There's some strife. There's some conflict with he and his nephew Lot and between their herdsmen. And I'm telling you, listen, there's, uh, it's, you can have a good time but, uh, with God. And you can be close to God. But there's going to come times of conflict. And we see the conflict didn't come uh, from the Perizzites the, or the Canaanites, it came from with his family. It came from his relationships. Uh, church, let me tell you this. It's, we will have conflict in our relationships at times. And we see here Abram, Abram having a conflict, relationship conflict, with his nephew, Lot. But Abram, here in verse number 8, we see verse number 8, and Abram said unto Lot. No, Abram went to Lot. Abram went to try to resolve the conflict. You know what, church? Can I tell you this? It's not God's plan for us to live in conflict. It's not God's plan for us to have unresolved conflict in our relationships. Listen, I, 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 this, this topic is very dear to my heart. I say dear, but near to my heart. My home church, uh, when I went to Cambodia as a teenager, was, was a thriving church a church with lots of people, and there was such a sweet fellowship. But over the years, something started to happen to my home church. And it wasn't the government uh, 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 coming in and trying to close the church down. It, it wasn't a lack of finances. It wasn't uh, uh, problems from the local government or even from uh, heresies. It was from problems from within. Slowly, by, little by little, slowly and slowly, there started to develop conflicts in the church between people. And the problem was this, people did not know how to resolve the conflicts. Can I tell you this, church? Unresolved conflicts keeps your church and our church from moving forward. God has so much planned for my home church, but conflict in between church members and between brothers and sisters in the church caused my home church to begin to deteriorate. People began leaving, and what should, we should have been advancing the gospel in our community, and we started seeing our church stopped moving forward. You know, I don't know much about engines, but I do know if you don't have oil in your engine, eventually that engine's going to get really hot and it will shut down. Uh, you might even throw a rod and destroy your engine. I don't know a lot, but I know that much. You need to keep oil in that engine. Why? Because if without the oil, there's friction. And they're beginning, you know, in my home church, they're going to develop a lot of friction between the members of the church, between brothers and sisters in Christ, and that friction cause the engine to seize. Can I say that? Listen, folks, unresolved conflict holds back the blessings of God. And Abraham realized, listen, I have come to a place, I've come to a place where I, I once again call upon the Lord and having a relationship with him. And he said, I, Abraham wanted God's blessing. He wanted to continue with God. He wanted to continue to do what God had him to do. But he understood that I, he could not expect the blessings of God until he resolved some conflict between he and Lot. Look here at verse 7, though. 
there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled there in the land. Can I tell you this? Unresolved conflict was going to damage his testimony before the unreached peoples of that land. Those Perizzites, those Canaanites, they didn't know God. And Abraham and Lot, Abraham especially, ought to have been a, a, a testimony of who the living and true God was before the people of the land, right? Can I tell you this? Unresolved conflict within a church affects your testimony to the lost world. When we can't get along as Christians, the lost world notices it. Your lost family sees it. Listen, we have to learn how to resolve conflict. I'm not trying to beat us up here. I'm just saying, listen, we have to know how does the Bible, what does the Bible teach about resolving conflict? It's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. I once read a book called uh, uh, The Delicate Art of Dancing with Porcupines. <laughs> the pork, porcupines are a little prickly, aren't they? Uh, you get a little too close, and you know what? All of us are a little prickly. All of us, each one of us, we have our, a different personality. We have a different uh, background, a different uh, history. I'm just, I'm just telling folks, it's unavoidable. You, there will be conflicts. Yes, in Valley Bible Baptist Church, there will be conflicts between individuals, between brothers and sisters in Christ. We sh- it shouldn't surprise us. But I want to tell you this, listen, that's not... The, uh, the conflicts and the disagreements are unavoidable, but grudges and uh, bitterness are avoidable. Okay? We may not be able to avoid conflicts. Why? Because we're human and we're, we're prideful. <laughs> but we can avoid bitterness and holding grudges. How? How are we supposed to do this? You know, man's plan, how do, man's plan, if it was up to us, how would we resolve conflict? You know what we would do? We would say, well, they're the problem. If he's upset, if she's upset, well, then he should, he should come to me. It's his problem. It's her problem. You know? She's the one who's offended. Well, you come to me, you fix it. You know, it's not my problem. That's how we would handle it. Or we would say, well, I can't believe he did that to me. I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he would do that to me. How That's so wrong. Man, he needs to come to me. He, should, he needs to get that right, man. That's wrong of him. And you know what happens? This person's going like this. What's the big deal? Get over it. And this person's going like this. How could he do that? He needs to come to me. And, there's ne- and we never resolve conflicts. And these conflicts, they grow and grow and grow, and they start to divide a church. I've seen it in my home church. And I'm, this is, I'm such a burden on my heart that we have a sweet fellowship at Valley Bible Baptist Church. How are we? So what's God's plan? Okay, I'm telling you, this is not God's plan. What is God's plan? Let's look at Matthew chapter number 18. Now, many of you already, already know where I'm going here, but I want you to look a little prior to uh, Matthew 18, verse 15. I want you to look at verse 11 first. So we're going to look at two passages, we're gonna, both in the book of Matthew, and we're going to see what is God's plan for resolving conflict, resolving grudges, resolving hurt feelings. Matthew chapter 18, I never noticed this before. As I was studying this, this is just looking at the context of the passage. Start here in verse number 11. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 11. The Bible reads, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and go into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if it so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep 
than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Aren't you glad that Christ came after you and you were lost? That he was willing to leave the ninety-nine to save you. Amen? Now, we're going to look at this classic passage about resolving conflict, starting in verse 15. Look at this first word. Look, folks, every word of the Bible is very important. What's the first word of verse 15? Moreover, in the same vein, in the same line of thinking, okay, just as uh, the shepherd goes out of his way to find the lost one, to be reconciled back to the flock, in the same way, watch this, moreover, if thy brother, now, we're not talking about sheep anymore, we're talking about brother in Christ. And he says here, more of thy brother shall trespass against thee. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You know what so often we do? Someone has trespassed against us. Someone has done us wrong. Okay, we're not in the wrong. They're in the wrong. But you know what our tendency is to do? Well, I got 99 here. Write that one off. And he trespassed against me. He's done me wrong. She's done me wrong. Well, write him off. And listen, when we have that attitude, of, well, just write him off, you are not acting like Christ. Christ went to the one, left the 99, did not write off the one, but instead went to them and found them. In the same manner, we are to go to a brother or sister who has, who has offended us, who has trespassed against us. We are supposed to go to them. Now, the Bible is very clear here. In the same way that Christ came for the one and left the 99, we're to go to the brother who has offended us and watch this very closely. This is what the Bible says. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Go between, him, between thee and him alone. Church, this is, what the, this is what Christ tells us. Someone's done you wrong. Do we wait for them to come to us? No, Christ says we are to go to them, even though they have done us wrong. Someone's done you wrong, you go to them. But look, it says, go to him alone. Can I tell you, you know, there's a lot of gossip that's put out there under the guise of spirituality. Hey, brother, would you pray about this? Man, there's, Joe, man, he just really did me wrong. Can you, let me tell you what he did. Hey, sister, I need some, I need some help. Can you tell, tell, tell me what I should do about this? Man, this girl, she just said that, and she's just, man, she, I tell you what she did. And we, we cover up our gossip in the name of spirituality, don't we? Listen, no, if, you have, if someone's doing you wrong, you don't, go, you don't go to anyone else except that person first. Uh, you know what that means? It means you don't, you don't have to go to your pastor yet. Not yet. Okay? Right now, if it's, just, if it's just happened, you go to that person and say, hey, there's a problem here. You've done something wrong. Now, it's not about your feelings. It's about, hey, you've done something wrong against the Bible. There's a, there's a fault here, okay? It's not that I'm just hurt feelings. It's about, hey, there's a problem here. Uh, what you said was wrong, okay? So the Bible, Christ says we are to go to that person on our own. You know, when we start hearing, when you hear someone say, hey, did you hear what Joe, and Joe, Joe said? Hey, did you hear what Jane said? You know what you ought to be doing? Hey, oh, hey, wait, stop right there. Uh, have you talked to Jane about that? Hey, oh, no, 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 no I'm, I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's terrible, but have you talked to Joe about that? Listen, we don't need to be receivers of it either. We are to go to that person individually first. Okay, now let's keep going. What, what's the next step? It says here, if, uh, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, 
you go to the brother who's at wrong. You go to the sister who's at fault. Hey, this is, this is not right. And they say, well, it's not a big deal. Oh, you just need to get over it. Listen, if there's still, still a biblical fault, if they're, if they're in opposition to the word of God, if there's something wrong here, you take a witness. Now, now a lot of what often we do, we take our best friend. And we tell them all about how horrible that person is. Oh, I can't eat. Oh, man, Joe is terrible. And we take our best friend with us as a witness. No. To gang up on him. To beat him up over the head. No. Listen, don't take your mommy. Don't take your daddy. Don't take your best friend. Take someone who's unbiased. Take someone who you're not, you're not that close to. If there's a problem with someone, you need to take an unbiased witness who can say, hey, uh, uh, Brother Randy said there's a problem. I, I don't know what's going on, but I'd love to hear about it and see if I can, can be a help maybe. Listen, don't, so often we are so offended, we are so upset that someone has trespassed against us that we're just looking for opportunities to bang someone over the head and beat someone up. Look, the whole spirit is what? That we should gain our brother. Our whole, the whole attitude is that we want to be reconciled. I want to be right with God. I want to be right with my brother. I want to be right with my sister. I don't want there to be unresolved conflict. If so, so let's, get, let's get straight here. If someone has wronged you, you have the biblical responsibility to go to them. Okay? So let's look at the other side, other side of the coin here. Let's go over to Matthew chapter number 5 now. Matthew chapter number 5. Okay, well, okay, so if someone's wronged me, I'm to go to them. And we're to try to reconcile. We're to try to make peace. Okay? Now, but what if someone is upset with you? What if someone has wronged you? Or what if someone is upset with you? What should happen then? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse number 23. The Bible reads in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if thou, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Okay, stop there. So, Picture this, Christ is at the Sermon on the Mount. Christ is talking to his disciples, talking to the people. He's saying, listen, you go to the temple, you've got your lamb with you. You've got your offering to take to the temple. And, and you're there, and, you're, and you, I mean, you have the priest there, and he's putting his hand on the animal, and he's uh, signifying, your, you're putting your guilt on the animal. He says, you're there for, what is this? He's, you're there for an act of worship. Christ says, hey, you go to the temple, and you're there to participate in worship and an act of worship to God by offering your gift on the altar. And he says, listen, you go there and you're, you're in the act of worshiping God and you remember that thy brother hath ought against thee. Okay? Worshiping God. Oh, hey, man, I think Joe's upset with me. I, I think, I think uh, Jane's been a little perturbed with me. I think there's, I think there's something there between us. We don't have that closeness like we used to. There's something going on there. What does Christ say to do? Well, go ahead and continue your offering. And No, look at verse number 24. What does he say? Leave there thy gift. Stop your worship. This is, a, this is pretty deep stuff, guys. <laughs> That's pretty intense. You're telling me, Christ, you, I have to stop worshiping you? You'd rather me go uh, reconcile with my brother instead of worshiping you? Yeah. Absolutely. He says, I, God says, listen, I don't want your worship if you have an unresolved conflict in your life with a brother. That's very important. With a brother. What's that mean? A Christian. Okay? 
We're not talking about the unsaved world. They, they have a lot of problems, okay? <laughs> We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. If my brother and sister in Christ, I know he's got a problem with me, God says, listen, I don't want your worship until you get that fixed. Now, listen, there, there's a difference between fixing the problem and reconciling, okay? Christ is saying, listen, you know, the problem, the problem may take some time to totally resolve. There may be some, lots of details that need to be worked out in order to fully resolve a, a problem, but that, that should not keep us from reconciling, from being on the same page with our brother or sister in Christ. Okay? So, folks, that means, listen, we're getting ready to meet and worship this Sunday. This Sunday, we're going to gather here and we're going to worship God. But I'm telling you, if you come with an unresolved conflict, God doesn't want your worship. You know what? Well, Brother Randy, I'm trying to do all I can. Listen, I understand. We can, we can only go as far as we can go in reconciling someone, someone, okay? There are those who will say, no, no, I don't want it. I don't like it. Get away from me. You've done all you can. But you've done your best to resolve the conflict. You've done your, gone as far as you can to, re, to reconcile with your brother and sister in Christ. Then you can come and worship. Boy, all across America, how many people are offering worship to God and God's saying, nope, don't want it. Has your worship been rejected by God because you have unresolved conflicts with your brother or sister in Christ? So, watch this. Someone has wronged me. Is this, is this what we're supposed to do? No. Someone's wronged me. They've offended me. They've trespassed against me. What do I do? I go to them. Let's fix this. I'm over here. Okay? Is this the pastor? If someone, if I've wronged someone else, and that's not, I, listen, I may not think, I, I may not think it's a big deal. Well, they just got to get over it. It's not a big deal, man. Be a, be a Christian. No, what's the, what's the attitude? They're, they, hey, they're upset. What do we do? Listen, in the, how, how should this happen? When there's, two, when there's a conflict between a brother and sister in Christ, you know where they should meet? Right in the middle. Because both of them, both parties have the responsibility to come and resolve the conflict. God does not want unresolved conflict between Christians. Amen. No loose ends. No loose ends. Back in Matthew chapter, about Genesis chapter 13. As you're turning there, let me say this. An unwillingness to confront and resolve strife is not a sign of spiritual maturity. Often we get this false idea that, well, it's okay, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll just wash over, I'll just blow over, it'll just be okay. No, no, an unwillingness to resolve and confront strife and unresolved conflict in your life is not a sign of spiritual maturity. It's an unwillingness to follow God's word. God does not want unresolved conflict. What did Abraham do? Here in Genesis chapter 13, we see, what do we see? Lot is, is Lot part of the Abraham covenant? In chapter 12, we see uh, the Lord calls Abraham out, doesn't he? He didn't call Lot out. Right? Who's in the, who's in the wrong? It's Lot. Uh, I mean, Lot's on Abraham's land. <laughs> right? But we see here in chapter 13, Genesis 13, uh, verse number 8. 
And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. It's, un- it's not right for brethren to strive. It's, that's, that should not be the case. I mean, if we're brothers, there ought to be a sweetness, a sweet fellowship, a sweet connection, and a sweet relationship between our brothers and sisters in Christ. Raven says, hey, we're brethren. Why are we striving? Why are we having conflict? This isn't right. Oh, how beautiful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And Abraham goes to Lot. Listen, even though Abraham was God's chosen, he still went to Lot to resolve the conflict. Boy, sometimes you think, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a deacon. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I've been in this church for 30 years. I've been, I've been teaching Sunday school. Listen, it doesn't matter your position. See this? Going to resolve conflict is a sign of spiritual maturity. And as even though he was God's chosen, he still went to Lot and said, hey, let's fix this. He went even though he was of greater status. Now, in our American mind, we, we, everyone's equal. And I, I believe that. We're all equal before God, praise the Lord. In, in America, we all have this idea that everyone's of the same status even. That's not the case in, 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 in Cambodia. It's not the case. That's not the case in, Middle, in, in East Asia also. Um, there was a, a young girl who started coming to my dad's church. And she's about, and she's like 16 years old. And she started coming for three or four weeks. And then the, on that following week, though, she came to my dad and says, Pastor, I'm sorry, I can't come to church anymore. My uncle said I can't come. And our mind's like, you're 16. Uh, you know, you're, you're a big girl. That's your uncle. It's not your mom or dad. It's your uncle. But as she, she was not yet saved. And as an unsaved girl, she said, no, my uncle said, my un- why? her uncle had status. Ha- who, who could speak into her life. And he said, well, my uncle said I can't go, so I, need, I can't come to church anymore. We continue to try to uh, minister to that girl, but her uncle had status in her life. And that's much the case in Asia. Your status determines what you can speak. And listen, Abraham is the uncle. He's the elder. Okay? Uh, he, he is the one with the authority, with the prestige. He has the face, if we say in Asia. Okay? You say face, he has face. But he still, even though he has the face, even though he has the status, he still decides to go to Lot to the nephew. That, that, that's, I, I actually first preached this message in Cambodia, and that is, seems so ridiculous to Cambodians, for the older uncle to go and condescend to the nephew. But even Abraham, though he knows this, he still was willing to condescend and go to Lot to resolve this conflict. Let's keep reading here uh, in verse number 9. Is not the whole land before thee? This is... This is Abraham, uh, Abram, excuse me, resolving the conflict. Hey, the whole land's before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I'll go to the right. And if thou wilt depart to the right hand, well, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere. Stop there. Whose land is this again? Whose land is this? Abram's. Who, who did God give his land to? And what does Abraham say? Lot, 
you want the better stuff, you go ahead. You pick the best, and I'll take the leftover. Let me say, listen, listen, Abraham was willing to suffer loss. He's willing to get the short end of the deal in order to resolve conflict. That's how serious it was. He was willing to lose out on the better pastures for his cattle. Why? So that there could be peace between he and Lot. Listen, we ought to be willing to suffer loss. We ought to be willing to get the short end of the deal. Why? So that there will not be conflict between me and a brother or sister in Christ. You know what so often we do? We, we go to meet someone, and rather than going with the idea, hey, I'll lose if I have to in order to make, make this right, we go with the attitude of, well, okay, we need to make this, we, we need to make this right. Hey, and you wronged me, and well, I'm hurt. And we, and we approach like a negotiating table. Listen, the spiritual man was willing to suffer loss to make things right. So often we go looking out for our own rights. What about me? Well, number one, Abraham didn't do that. He goes willing to suffer loss. Why? Because he realized that while there was strife between he and Lot, he could not receive the blessings of God. He realized as long as he and Lot were at strife and at war between each other, there could be no blessing from God. Look here at verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him. Okay, notice this is hinged upon Lot leaving. What does the Lord say? Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward, and eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to, the, uh, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thee thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall they, thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, and the, or, um, through the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. See what happened? When the conflict was resolved, after Lot and Abraham came to agreement, uh, and included separation, okay, when this conflict was resolved, that's when the Lord says, Abram, look at the land. It's all yours. You know what he looked at? He even looked at the well-watered plains of Jordan. Even what Lot took for himself, that belonged to Abram too. God's blessings flowed out upon Abram. Why? Because he went to Lot in humility to resolve the conflict. He was blessed when he resolved the conflict. He would rather lose an argument than lose God's blessings. I wonder how many blessings we forfeit because we're not willing to take a loss. I wonder how many blessings of God our church forfeits because we as uh, members, as brothers and sisters of Christ, aren't willing to suffer loss for the cause of Christ, for the cause of reconciliation. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, Brother Randy, that sounds all nice and dandy. I mean, you're a little idealistic. That's, 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 that kind of standard is, is just too hard. They did me wrong. They should be the one who lo- to, who, to lose. You know, God will take care of that. But when we have that attitude, we can't not receive the blessings of God. How, how do we do this? How can we approach conflict resolution this way? 
go over to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2, our last passage will be done tonight. How can we possibly maintain this standard of being willing to go to someone who's, who, who we're, we're upset or who's wronged us? That's hard. Can I tell you this? I've had to do this before, to go to someone who's, who's done me wrong and confront them. Can I tell you, it's made me sick, literally. <laughs> I've literally been sick to my stomach and wanted to, to vomit because it's not fun. It's not easy. But it's the Word of God. It's God's way. How can, we, how can we do this? Philippians chapter number 2. Look here in verse uh, number 2. Philippians 2, verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one cord, of one mind. What are we talking about here? Unity. Absence of conflict. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Boy, how often do we go to a person who we're upset with and we esteem ourselves better than them? Man, this guy's no good. Call yourself a Christian. We're to esteem them better than ourselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. How, how can we have this? What, how, this is so unnatural, isn't it? To have this type of unity, this type of mentality of lowliness of mind. How do we get it? Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How do you have lowliness of mind? By having the mind of Christ. Who, being in the form of God, thought of not robbery if you equal with God. Watch this. This is Jesus Christ, the, the, the word of God. He made himself of no reputation. He wasn't concerned about his reputation or about trying to uh, put his status up a little higher. He forsook status, forsook reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How can we, folks, this, this, this whole thing about resolving conflicts, it's hard. It's messy. It's sticky and prickly. <laughs> How are we going to do this? It's, we have to have the mind of Christ. The only way it's going to happen is if we have this mind of Christ that says, you know what, I don't need to exalt myself. I just want to be lowly of mind. We have to have this mind of Christ that says, I'm not looking for my reputation. It's called humility. Can I tell you this? If you're confronting a brother who's offended you, you need the mind of Christ. If a brother's confronting you, you need the mind of Christ. It takes humility for, to, to hear people say, hey, you have been wrong. That's hard. I don't like, okay, I have a hard time saying I'm Mm-hmm. I'm wrong. <laughs> That's hard to say. I don't, like, I don't like saying it. It's even harder to hear someone else say it. Brother Andy, you're wrong. I don't like it. But listen, if someone's confronting you and saying, hey, brother, I think you're wrong here. I need the mind of Christ. And in humility, it takes humility to receive correction. 
Boy, I, folks, I confess, I don't got that. I need that. I, I, th- I think I'm right in about, just about every way. You know, the truth is we all have blind spots, don't we? Do you, do you realize, talking about in Matthew chapter 7 talks about uh, having a moat in your eye. Remember that passage? Why does Christ use the eye? Why not the hand, not the foot, not the neck? I mean, come on. Why the eye? Because perception. He's talking about perception. We do not correctly perceive ourselves. We do not correctly perceive our strengths and weaknesses. You know what? God is so gracious to allow a brother or sister to come and confront us. Why? Because if not for them, you wouldn't see your faults. You wouldn't. You're blind to them. I'm blind to my faults. Without a brother or sister coming to me and confronting me with my wrong, I wouldn't see my faults. It takes the mind of Christ to accept criticism. Why? Because God is trying to show me my faults. And it hurts. (laughs) One more point. If you are confronting a brother whom you have offended, you need the mind of Christ. It's not a big deal, man. Just get over it. Slip of the tongue, come on. No, no, in humility, brother, I've offended you. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? It takes the mind of Christ to resolve conflicts. Valley Valley Baptist Church, listen, God has great things for this church ahead. Great blessings he wants to pour out on Valley Baptist Church, but it will not happen until we learn to confront and to resolve conflicts between our brother and sister in Christ. Is there something, as I've been preaching, that God's brought to your mind? A relationship that needs to be dealt with? Listen, let's deal with it biblically. Read Matthew 18 again. Read Matthew 5, 23 again. Let's allow the Word of God to teach us to confront and to um, resolve conflicts biblically. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and we'll be, and we'll pray.